This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Napa A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's hockey podcast show. I'm Paul Bruno, and I'll remind you to follow me at Statsman22. I'm joined, as usual, by AJ Scholes, who's an excellent follow for hockey fans, at AJ Scholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4. Well, AJ, we're back today to take a look at the post-trade deadline hockey landscape, and now the sprint to the end of the regular season begins. I know that you're ready to break down all the significant trades that went down last week. I also ask that you give our listeners the usual reminder. Yeah, before I dive into that, Paul, I'm going to do a quick shout out to the uh, Sun Prairie varsity hockey team. Uh, the boys I coach made it to the state tournament, uh, lost in the semifinal game in overtime. So a tough loss for, wow. for those guys, but uh, a great season. Uh, so I had to give them a little bit of a shout out there. The guys have been asking for it. Um, but as always, you know, before we get on with the program, I want to remind our listeners that throughout the week, uh, if you have questions about your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, uh, you can tweet at us, and we'll try to answer your questions during uh, our next show or during the week. As Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJSholes24, and you can follow Paul, the Statsman, at Statsman22. All right, let's work our way through this most recent trade flurry, looking at all the trades that went down between February 28th and March the 1st to end the trade deadline. It was uh, not a lot of big names, AJ, but some trades that will uh, reshape rosters around the league. So we'll start off with one that's typical of what went down. The New York Rangers got uh, defensive help in the form of Brendan Smith from Detroit. They gave up a lot to get him, though, in my opinion, a third-round pick in 2017 and a second-round pick in 2018. How do you see that one? 
Yeah, I mean, Smith barely played this season. Uh, from mid-November to the start of February, he was out for 27 games due to injury. And as you mentioned, the Wings are getting a pair of draft picks as compensation. Uh, so I think it it does show the level of concern that the Rangers have about their blue line, the fact that they're willing to, to pay such a high price for a guy who spent most of the season uh, on IR. So ultimately, I, I think Detroit is, uh, is a team that's going to come out ahead in this one. I, I agree that it was a, a steep price to pay. And so props to, to the uh, Red Wings on getting some draft picks to start that rebuild. Yeah, this is a club that's not used to uh, dealing at the deadline, uh, dealing away assets uh, like that. But uh, they made a good move. And for the Rangers part, Smith fits in as a second pairing defenseman now. To your point, the Rangers needed to boost that blue line compliment. It wasn't so long ago that they were one of the deepest teams on the blue line. But things have really changed over there in, in uh, Broadway. And uh, Smith goes down to the second pairing with Nick Holden. And uh, they've got Adam Clendenning in reserve. And, of course, Kevin Klein is out. So uh, they're hoping for Klein for sure to get healthy. But uh, the playoffs are a war of attrition, as I've said many times. And, and this is why a lot of teams look to stock up the depth portion of their rosters. And this is uh, typical of a lot of the moves that the contenders made. Uh, let's go next to the Ottawa Senators picking up Victor Stahlberg from Carolina for a third-round pick in 2017. How do you see that one, A.J.? Yeah, Stahlberg actually got his 10th goal of the year uh, in his second game with the Senators. And his ice time's been, it's only been two games, but through those, it's been a lot more consistent, right around 12 minutes per game. So it's really clear that they're going to use use him uh, in a more consistent role. I, I expect him to still be in the lineup even uh, if and when they get Chris Neal and Bobby Ryan back. So I, I think he'll have a, a role with them going forward. And so for a third-round pick, especially on an Ottawa team that's trying to make the postseason. I like this move for them. Uh, I I certainly don't begrudge uh, Carolina racking up some more uh, draft picks uh, for themselves, but ultimately I I like Ottawa as the winner, per se, of of this trade. Yeah, I like what the Senators did here. They've created a fourth line that is not your typical fourth-line-looking unit, where they got two guys on the wings in recent trades, Stahlberg, of course, on the left side, and Tommy Wingles on the right side, who they got from San Jose. So it's not a bunch of pluggers that they have down there in the fourth line, and and they can withstand some bumps and bruises injuries along the way. You mentioned Ryan out of the lineup. He's going to step in and maybe push one of these guys to the edge of of the roster. But uh, in the meantime, uh, Stahlberg adds a lot of speed to to the Senators, uh, and and, uh, I like the fit fit around Chris Kelly, who's a a veteran uh, forward there. So this is a, a unit that will give them an advantage whenever the opposition trots out their fourth line and uh, could be a big advantage come playoff time the next trade up on the docket was uh, the montreal canadians trading away a bad contract in david dayarnay to the edmonton oilers they picked up brandon davidson to boost their defense as well yeah it's definitely a a a decent deal I i think for both teams Although Davidson has just one assist in 28 games after missing uh, first couple months of the season, uh, Desharnay has been in kind of a similar situation with the knee injury, um, and even when healthy, has frequently been a scratch. So I think what you're seeing is both teams have guys that weren't being utilized a lot, had some injuries, and are kind of just uh, benefiting from a change of scenery. Uh, I don't think this trade uh, is going to substantially help either team. I think uh, based on their potential role with the new new team, I think Edmonton will come out ahead. I think Desjardins is going to play a little bit more um, and have a little bit more of an impact. 
but ultimately you're just looking at swapping guys for for a change of scenery to see if it can help maybe uh turn turn their season or possibly even careers around a little bit yeah you know what for dayarnay this is a, a way a way to make uh, his name a little more prominent around the league because he wasn't getting a lot of ice time in montreal most recently and and in years past he was a top six forward so it's a chance for him to rehab his reputation down the stretch but uh, edmonton just adds another offensive piece here i would have liked them to, to go for more of a, a two-way player in this role in the third line they've just got more of the same uh, by adding dayarnay and in terms of davidson montreal gets another defenseman to add to their depth and uh, in line with what the rangers were doing and other teams are doing to fortify themselves along the blue line so a potential gain for both teams but but really not what uh, I think Edmonton really should have been looking for, in my opinion. I skipped a minor trade, uh, uh, AJ. The Rangers picked up Dan Catanacci from Buffalo for Matt Bodie. That's a, that's a swap of minor league guys with very little impact, don't you think? I agree. I, I don't expect it to have a ton of impact this season, although Bodie is kind of tearing it up in the AHL. Uh, he's got 10 goals, 22 assists. And, uh, you know, Cat uh, Nessie has just 15 points in 53 outings. So I, I get that there's some organizational um, concerns here, but it's, it's not like the Rangers have a ton of blue line scoring. So I, I don't necessarily understand uh, getting rid of Bodie. I, I ultimately think he'll be the better pro uh, moving forward if, if he can crack the lineup. So I, I give the edge to Buffalo in this one. Uh, only because I, I like what Bodie's been doing down in the minors. And another deal that's not going to rock too many boats, although a, a prominent name was involved, the Vancouver Canucks picked up Nikolai Goldobin and a conditional fourth pick in 2018 from ha- San Jose for Yannick Hansen, who will fortify the uh, San Jose forward complement. Beyond their top six, this team needed to bulk up uh, with some quality uh, veteran-type player, and, and Yannick Hansen fits that role for me. Uh, I'm I'm a little uh, di- taking a different position on this one, Paul. I, I don't like the fact that Hanson missed 33 games True. Uh, while in Vancouver with two separate injuries. Uh, so that's twice he's been knocked out. And when he is healthy, he's got six goals and seven assists. But I think it's a little bit confusing as to where he's going to slot in in San Jose. Uh, they've got a, a pretty good depth at forward, so I'm not totally certain where they're going to put him in. Is he a top six player? players he bottom six he could end up in either place and you know talking about Nikolai Godobin he's got 41 points in 46 games in the minors and he's already scored a a goal for Vancouver so I I think long term he's going to be the better uh, prospect as well Um, I I think they'll get more return out of him than San Jose will get out of Hanson so I like this deal from Vancouver's standpoint you get a fourth round pick a solid prospect and you're losing a guy who hasn't spent a whole lot of time on the ice. Yeah, but for uh, in defense of Hanson, the guy's played anywhere from first to fourth line, so his versatility when healthy is something that, that hopefully San Jose takes advantage of. He needs to be healthy, though, for that, them to get any value out of the deal, obviously, because in Goldobin, Vancouver's already plugged him into a third-line role with Brandon Sutter and Jason Magna, and they're going to give this guy a chance to get some ice time and see if he's got the offensive side of his, of his game that will challenge Sven Berchi, maybe even for top six minutes over there. So a potential uh, for both sides to, to win out in that one, but also for them to bomb out, I guess. Chicago on uh, the next deal, they, they did what they always do at this time of year. They fortified their blue line, and they picked up a guy who's been in the Chicago colors before in Johnny Oduya from Dallas. 
they gave up a conditional fourth pick and uh, Mark McNeil, a prospect, I guess, of some renown. Why don't you tell us a bit about what you know about these guys? Yeah, another another prospect traded away from Chicago in order to win now. It's pretty much the the ongoing theme of this organization. You know, their their minor league affiliate, uh, HL Rockford, are, are out of the playoff hunt, so I guess they won't really mind losing one of their top 10 scorers. You know, on top of that, I will mention, though, that Oduya has either been injured for much of the year, and he is currently uh, resting up, so to speak, uh, from, you know, these ailments. So I, I think that concerns me a little bit, the fact that they brought in a guy who they have yet to use because of, you know, his bumps and bruises throughout the season. So I, I, I think I give the edge to Dallas in this move as well. Uh, the, you know, conditional pick obviously will factor in long-term whether this is a good deal or not. But I, I don't love the move to bring in Oduye. So to give up a, a strong uh, prospect like that, I, I think is a little bit concerning. Uh, they've done it well in the past, so maybe I'll have to eat my words later. Uh, it's tough to doubt the the Chicago organization there, but this is one move that I'm I'm not a huge fan of them making. Yeah, this is kind of a long term view b- b- based on getting Oduya and Jalmerson healthy. Uh, they've got eight vet- eight experienced NHL blue liners, and you want to go into the postseason expecting a long run with that kind of depth. And I guess that's what what justifies the case from the Chicago point of view. It's another one of these short-term versus long-term. But the other thing is, so Oduya's been in the Blackhawk uniform before. He knows the system. It should be a seamless transition if and when he finally gets healthy and on the ice over there. Uh, another trade that was kind of what Montreal's MO uh, at the trade deadline was to get a little more physical, although we haven't seen too much of Steve Ott in the lineup. They did pick him up. He's a super pest around the NHL, has been for years. They picked him up from Detroit for a sixth-round pick in 2018. Yeah, I don't love the trade you know, from either standpoint here. I, I'm not sure Montreal really needed an aging vet who's got just seven points on the year. Yes, he'll add some physicality to the team, um, but they pursued that in a lot of other options. I think this is one deal they probably could have let go. But Detroit only got a six-round pick out of it, which is kind of a long shot. You know, I feel like anything beyond, you know, really the top three uh, rounds, maybe even the top two rounds, tends to be a little bit more of a, you know, swing for the fences, kind of see what sticks, what you can grab there. So I don't really love this trade from either standpoint. I'll give the edge to Detroit only because draft picks uh, are definitely valuable in a rebuild process. And I ultimately don't think Steve Ott's going to have a huge impact on Montreal. Yeah, if he's not playing by, you know, his first couple of games with the Canadians, uh, I guess he's just there as insurance. And the price for insurance is a six-round pick. That's the way I guess we got to justify the deal. But I, like you, think that once they made a couple other deals that they had uh, around the deadline, uh, I I really think this was an extra one that they could have avoided for sure. Just the paperwork was unnecessary, I suppose. Colorado and Arizona engaged in a minor deal where... Colorado gets Brendan Ranford from Arizona for Joe Whitney, AJ. Yeah, Whitney's been a little more productive uh, in the minors. He's got 30 points in 57 games, uh, while Ranford has just 20 in 48 games. Um, but, you know, Ranford is slightly younger. Um, neither guy has a ton, <clears throat> excuse me, a ton of NHL experience, so definitely a minor league swap here. 
Uh, overall, I think I like a little bit more what Whitney has to offer, so I'll give the edge to Arizona. Um, but this obviously is a trade that probably won't be able to be truly evaluated for another four to five years. Yeah, and it's surprising that two of the the only f- sellers there were so few sellers around the league they they must have thought well nobody else is dealing with us let's deal with each other and get warmed <laughs> up so maybe that's the name of that tune now uh, our friends in the home office have been bugging me about thomas vanek all year long well uh, talk no more about him folks because he was dealt to florida from detroit for dylan McElraith and a third round pick McElraith is a guy who's been a fringe defenseman in around the nhl for a few years bounced around a little bit I wonder what you think about this deal. Certainly in the short term, Florida's hoping that Vanek uh, finds his groove as an offensive force down there. Yeah, I mean, although Vanek did express some interest in, in staying in the Motor City, he was going to be a free agent after the, the season wrapped up. So the Wings really needed to get something for him uh, while his, his value was high. But, it you know, it's clear that the Wings, I don't think, are totally sold on Dylan McArath as they needed to recall somebody else due to Ryan Sprawl's injury, and they called up somebody uh, else other than him. Uh, so I'm not sure, you know, you bring in this guy at the trade deadline, you would think they would want to see what they're getting out of him, but apparently they're not too concerned about that. So it almost makes me feel like McElrath was just thrown in or maybe somehow to clear cap space for Florida. I'm not really sure why he's included in this deal. I think Thomas Manick for a third-round pick was a fair enough deal for what they were getting. Um, and I'll give the edge to Florida just because I think they could really use the piece. Um, I, I don't think it's a terrible deal for Detroit, but I think Florida needs that extra uh, attacking winger. Yeah, and it gives them uh, a solid third line off- option because that Nick Bugzad is at center there. Uh, and I'm really high on this guy. And I know you like Jonathan Marchesol on the right wing. So they've uh, actually put together a third pretty good threat to score when they get to the third lines and matching up perhaps uh, against other teams so I like this deal for Florida's standpoint Vanek is a guy who you can plug in and hope for instant offense and that can only be good news uh, down the playoff uh, playoff hunt for the Panthers let's take a look now Uh, a couple of veteran names moved uh, more veteran names moved Montreal as we said they added some more bulk in Dwight King from Los Angeles it cost them a conditional fourth round pick in 2018 yeah, I, th- I think the tough part here is you can't really evaluate this trade in a vacuum as the whole purpose was to create cap space for the Kings to bring in Jerome McGinley. Uh, as you mentioned, the Canadians are getting a, a kind of a gritty bruiser who will primarily dish out hits rather than points um, only because of what they ultimately did to clear up the cap space. Am I going to give uh, the advantage in this trade to Los Angeles. And you know what? I, I don't know what's going on in, in the minds of the Montreal Brain Trust here. I mean, it's no secret. I'm not a big fan of theirs, but they're plugging King into a second-line role, it looks like, here on the lineups that we're showing on Rotowire this morning with Alex Galchenyuk and Arturi Lekkonen. I mean, certainly he should create some space for these guys, but the guy's got stone hands. He's not a big-time scorer. And they, they uh, this is a game more predicated on speed and skill uh, that we're seeing in the around the NHL, and yet Montreal went for bulk. I don't quite get it. I know I used to joke that this was Team Smurf a few years ago. They've certainly <laughs> gone away from that, getting rid of a lot of little guys, but the guys that they've added are not known as scoring types, and this is a team that's been goal-challenged over the last month, so I find it a bit of a curious move uh, myself. 
So, uh, and you did mention that your, Jerome Aginla was moved from Colorado to L.A., and this was maybe part of the, mo- the motivation for L.A.'s uh, moves hand-in-hand uh, hand here. These two, two trades went down pretty close to one another. Colorado gets a conditional fourth-round pick in 2018. I'm sure that's contingent on whether the Kings do make the playoffs. Yeah, and uh, there was a lot of talk about how Aginla has really slowed down, but I think if the Kings keep lining him up uh, on that top line with Gabrick and Kopitar. You know, I, I definitely believe he's, you know, even at 39 years old, he can be- get back to kind of being productive. You know, with everything else going wrong for Colorado, Aginla's game was just uh, completely off. The question for me is going to be how long Daryl Sutter is willing to wait. Uh, he, you know, he's played two games, hasn't done much yet, and Sutter may want to move him to a different line, uh, you know, as soon as possible. So, uh, we'll see what happens. I think if they can get any production out of Aginla at all, uh, Los Angeles will will look back on this trade fondly. You know, it's only a fourth round pick to get a guy of the the pedigree of Aginla, but if he can't be productive, then they're going to maybe rue the days that they they made this move. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the right side for Los Angeles. Tyler Toffoli stands head and shoulders above the Aginla and all the others in terms of skill and talent. He's playing a second line role with Carter. The other options are Dustin Brown, who's been tried and, and failed as an offensive piece. His best offensive days are well behind him. Kyle Clifford and Andy Andreoff, they're both kind of pluggers, so Aginla's going to get a long look at at least a top six role here. He may drop off the first line but really it's 1A one, one and 1B there with Carter and Kopitar at center. So uh, Iggy's going to get some ice time, going to get some playing time on the power play. He's, he's excelled there for a long time too. And uh, certainly the, the rest of the talent that L.A. can ice with the extra man, that's a great opportunity for Iggy to continue to pad his career power play stats. Uh, a couple of minor league goalies uh, were swapped here. Uh, Tampa and Florida trading sweaters on uh, Mike McKenna and Adam Wilcox. Statistically, these guys are not very different. Uh, McKenna is a, a, a bit older. Um, he's 33, whereas Wilcox is only 24. The other big difference here is that McKenna is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season, whereas Wilcox is a restricted free agent. So I think for those reasons, I like the deal uh, in, in Florida's favor. They're getting the younger option, who's a restricted free agent, so they definitely won't uh, lose him outright unless they want to. As long as they offer him a, a qualifying offer, he should be uh, at least retained for something. Uh, and so I'm, I think, you know, Tampa may be trying to get out from that. They've been doing a lot of moves to kind of clear up cap space with how tight up they were against it. So that may factor in here or maybe, you know, trying to stay uh, under the 50 contract limit. Um, but I, I definitely think Florida is getting the better of the two netminders. Then we had another minor trade, AJ, with Edmonton's receiving Justin Fontaine from the Rangers for Taylor Beck. What can you tell me about these two guys? Yeah, so Beck is averaging 1.2 points per game in the AHL uh, this season. He's just 25 years old, uh, and he does have 90 NHL games under his belt, kind of spread out uh, over a couple of years. Fontaine, while he's been slightly less productive, uh, just 0.65 points per game, he is a little bit older as well at 29, but he's got uh, over 100 more games. He's got 197 NHL games. Uh, I think Beck is the hot hand right now. 
Uh, but Fontaine, for me, is the more proven commodity, and I think long-term uh, Edmonton will, will be the winner in this trade. And in the next deal, I see a veteran defenseman, Kyle Quincy, coming to Columbus for Dalton Prout uh, from New Jersey. Both these guys kind of depth defensemen, but Quincy's had, had a longer history around the NHL and a pretty good puck mover that, that Columbus has added. I really like this deal for them. Yeah, I mean, in six seasons, Prout has just six goals. Um, but, you know, Quincy, as you kind of mentioned, he's no spring chicken uh, and he's a he's a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, I, I think Quincy's going to end up being just kind of a quick uh, rental for for Columbus. And I'm just not sure he was worth uh, the trade for Dalton Prout here. Uh, so I like uh, the Devils uh, on this end of the trade. Then uh, one of the Smurfs that I mentioned with Montreal's Ven Andrighetto went packing to Colorado, and in exchange they picked up Andreas Martinson, another European player, uh, player uh, to add to their fourth line mix. It's just basically rearranging the deck chairs here. It looks like Montreal has done uh, with adding a little more size. Pretty good skill in Martinson, but what what do you like about this deal for both teams, or don't you like? Yeah, and Andrew Ghetto has been kind of an unused scratch in, in Montreal, and so I think the 23-year-old will get a better chance to prove himself. I mean, if they weren't going to use him in, in this kind of transition to kind of a uh, bigger, grittier team, they might as well get rid of him. Um, he is uh, a free agent next season, so he'll get a chance to kind of earn a contract with Colorado, and it looks like he'll probably be on the Avs second line you know, Martinson was playing a, a few more games, but he's averaging just 9.38 of ice time per night uh, when he was with Colorado. Um, so it's, it's probably a good move for both players. I think they'll, they'll both get more of a role, um, but I give the edge to Colorado. I, I like what and, uh, Andrew Ghetto can, can offer in terms of speed. Now, in the next deal, the Pennsylvania clubs kind of avoided each other, but in the end, <laughs> Pittsburgh did get Mark Streit from the Philadelphia organization. He just had to go through a couple of, uh, I guess, faxes or emails to get that thing to work out. Explain what happened, AJ. Yeah, so you asked me last week if I thought the, the Penguins and the Flyers could uh, get a trade done for, for a defenseman, and I told you there wasn't any way that they would do it directly. And, and clearly that was the case. So, you know, Tampa gets, uh, got strike in exchange for, uh, the Terry Filpula, a 2017 fourth round pick and a 2017, uh, seventh round pick, which was conditional, but I believe one of those conditions was, uh, trading straight away. So they're going to end up getting that. And then Tampa turned around, traded straight to Pittsburgh for a 2018 fourth round pick. So, couple of things happening here that uh, will benefit, I think, all of these clubs really uh, in the end. The Lightning find a way to get out from under that terrible Filpula deal. He's got uh, two years, five million left, including this year. So again, next year, the Pens got to add some uh, experience, defensive depth, a guy who can add some more blue line scoring and strike. And the Flyers are, are get, getting some extra picks here. Uh, they're not top end picks, but they'll certainly help. And Phil Bill is by no means a bad player. Um, if they've got the cap space to pay him, they might as well. I, I think the it wasn't production that had him leaving Tampa. I think it was more of that contract. So I do think it's a win all the way around. It is just interesting that we needed a, a mediary in order to make a, a Pennsylvania trade. No doubt about that. I mean, Strite's going to boost the Pittsburgh offense from the blue line. They need uh, depth back there, quality depth, because it seems like Latang is in and out of the lineup with injuries all year long, and uh, they haven't really got a dedicated offensive veteran that, that they can plug in and have stay healthy. I mean, Trevor Daly has had issues. 
Uh, Ole Matas had issues. So Strite's just another aim, a name you can add to the mix. But I like Philadelphia picking up Val Philpola because this guy, he's had made a career out of being a third-line forward who kind of gets pushed into that second-line role very quickly and easy, seamlessly, it seems, whenever there's an injury to the top six. So pretty good insurance there, and I, it's a lot of money to pay for it, mind you, but uh, typical of what goes down at the trade deadline when people are trying to trade money, uh, money, they get picks in return, and so Philadelphia also gains that. And for Tampa, like you said, another great move by Steve Eisman to free up some cap space because there's some big names they're going to need to get paid this summer, and now all of a sudden this guy's got lots of cash to get it done. So again, kudos to Stevie Y. Nashville picks up uh, P.A. Parento from New Jersey. It seems like Parento has always been a, a bit piece that uh, capable scorer that gets moved around this time of year and now another another trade takes him into the Western Conference. Jersey uh, gives up uh, gets a sixth round pick for him. Yeah, well, Parento hasn't necessarily been the player the Devils I think we're hoping for after his 41 point uh, 2015-16 campaign. He's been solidly productive. He's got 13 goals and 14 assists. And New Jersey is basically just getting a, a pick out of it. They signed him, you know, in the offseason. Uh, they're getting a, a slightly lower pick because he is currently uh, injured. He's for sure out. I believe one more game uh, could still be a little bit longer. But as soon as he's healthy to go, the, the Preds are getting a solid vet that can help with their postseason run and add a little bit of scoring depth, depth to the team. So I think this will definitely help Nashville. The pick's low enough that I that I give the edge to the Predators just because, you know, as I mentioned, the six-round pick is kind of just uh, pulling names out of the hat almost <laughs> at that point and, and seeing what you can get. True enough. But Parento, you know, he could add some offense there, and uh, that's a very low price to pay for that offensive insurance that Nashville did pick up. Calgary move, moved in, and they sw- swooped in and grabbed Curtis Lazar. I really like this trade for the Flames because they pick up a guy who had a really good profile in junior but really was never given a chance in Ottawa, and I'm not really sure why. They also picked up Michael Koska, who I saw up close here in Toronto for a year as Dion Phaneuf's uh, defense partner. So I wonder if Phaneuf had a hand in, in, in saying, you know, this guy's not got it. I played with him for a year, so let's move him. But Ottawa picks up a second-round pick, and they also get... Uh, Yerki Yoki Paka in the deal. I, I think Yoki Paka has been completely underutilized this year. He's he's played in just 38 games. You know, Lazar, as you mentioned, has shown flashes of talent, uh, 20 points last season, but he's been really disappointing this year. He's got just one assist, and Koska hasn't played since 2015-16 at the NHL level. Um, so basically, you know, swapping unused, underperforming players. Uh, you know, with no guarantee on the return. And because there's, you know, uncertainty as far as what these players ultimately can be, I think I call Ottawa as the winner in this one because of that second round draft pick. All right, there's a loony on this one, the first one that came up at the trade deadline. I like it for Calgary. Uh, the Leafs go ahead and dip their toe in the trade waters. They picked up a couple of veteran guys, a 30-plus crowd, swollen by the ranks of uh, the addition of Eric Fair and Steve Alexi. Fair is a guy who's played in the bottom six for, throughout much of his career. And the Leafs also picked up a fourth-round pick. I guess that's the cost of taking on these contracts. And Washington, in return, gets the enigmatic Frankie Corrado, who might finally get the chance to, to play a little bit. But I, I don't know if he's going to play a lot. He's just maybe more, more defensive insurance on the Caps blue line. What do you say? Yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting deal. Uh, I like to, you know, seeing our two teams kind of uh, pair up. It's, it's not what I expected, though. 
uh, to see the Leafs and, and Pens to uh, to pair up here together. But uh, I, I think it ultimately comes down to dumping Ferris two million dollar contract, as you mentioned. Although he did clear waivers just a week before, so I'm not sure why the Pens felt um, they had to trade him. And from what I've seen, I actually like Oleski. Uh, his game uh, a lot uh, better than Corrado, I think, at this point. So they're also losing a fourth round pick. So for me, the the price of getting out from you know Ferris contract seems a little bit steep to me. Uh, I don't really like the move for Pittsburgh. I, I give the full advantage in this one to your Leafs. Uh, and you know the the interesting part is I think by adding Eric Fair, the average age on Toronto probably doubled um, based on all the youngsters you got there. But <laughs> Uh, he's a good player. I like him. Um, it's just more of a contract situation, but I, I think the Leafs really, uh, you know, raked, uh, raked the pens over the coals on this one. And I think I, I said Washington. Of course, it was the Pendergrass and the Leafs getting together on the deal. And you know what? I, I think it's typical the Leafs of what the Leafs need to do is acquire more picks down the road. And fair, it's interesting to see what they might do with him. Do they re-sign him if he stays for a cheap contract? Could be a guy that insulates the kids next year and provides some leadership as well. So I, I don't know if they're going to really cut bait with fair at the end of the season. We'll have to wait and see how that turns out. I really hope that Frankie Corrado finds a place to play. This guy seems to be a good soldier. He was quiet all year long about his situation for the most part, except for maybe one outburst. I want to see the kid get a chance to play wherever it might be uh, i just don't see it being in pittsburgh i don't think it's uh, defensive insurance that they picked up uh in light of the injury issues that i highlighted earlier boston bruins uh, picked up a guy that they've seen a lot of over the years in drew stafford when he was with buffalo of course he comes from winnipeg for a fifth a sixth round pick in the 2017 draft that's a conditional pick i guess also re- uh, relating to the Buff- Boston Bruins playoff host but if they make it he's an interesting addition and uh, plugs a hole on the third line uh, to add some scoring punch well Stafford can get even close to being the player he was in Buffalo it's definitely going to be a steal for Boston uh, for a sixth round pick and if not as I mentioned they're just losing a a late round pick so I, I really like this deal for Boston I know Winnipeg had to try and get something for him uh and he hasn't really fit there uh this season at least uh they've kind of slotted him in on a fourth line role i think he's gotten scratched a couple nights he's also been injured um so he just didn't seem to have a place there so if they get a pick from him i think that's okay um, but it, overall, I think this is a good deal for Boston. Yeah, I think Stafford must hate Patrick Laine because he basically took his gig <laughs> and uh, really ran with it. The rookie's having a fabulous year and it cost uh, Stafford big time uh, playing time over there in Winnipeg. Columbus picked up another veteran, uh, Laurie Korpikoski from Dallas for Dylan Hetherington. This is uh, the current t- days for the future, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. The Blue Jackets are getting an experienced winger. Uh, with 20 points this season, which adds uh, some great bottom six scoring depth for them. And really all it costs them is a defensive prospect who's actually not uh, performing that well this season. His numbers are definitely down. Uh, so I think the Blue Jackets got, got a good deal here. Uh, I know Dallas has some, some concerns ultimately uh, organizationally when it comes to the defense, but uh, not sure Hetherington is going to be the answer. So I think uh, the Blue Jackets come out ahead. Of all these trades, AJ, or maybe grouping a couple of them, if, if you see one team that really dominated the trade deadline, who do you like in terms of uh, strengthening their case uh, over the rest of the field? Well, I love what Tampa did in that, that essentially three-way trade they made um, with the state of Pennsylvania. I think uh, they 
really benefited by clearing up that cap space, getting a fourth round pick for it. Um, so ultimately, I think it's a, a huge win for them. You know, Stride basically dipped his toe in the in the uh, golf there for them and then just headed back. Um, I do also uh, actually really like the Toronto trade. I, I think they got um, a solid prospect in Oleski. They get, you know, a fourth round pick and, uh, you know, fair could also be a, a great player for them and, and could even potentially help them with uh, some sort of postseason run, too. So uh, those are my two kind of leaders. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you. I, I, I've sung the praises of Stevie Y all along. And, uh, you know, I have to also mention, if we're looking at the overall winner at the trade deadline, though, it's the Washington Capitals because they picked Absolutely. up Kevin Shattenkirk. And boy, oh boy, that's the big fish that was out there. I don't expect them to stay in Washington by any means, but they're loading up for this year. And I give any team credit for that when they have the chance to go for it. They're all in on, on this season, and they don't mind taking on the big salary in the short term. He's not playing first-line minutes on a regular shift, but boosts their power play and increases the depth on the blue line. Big win for Washington, and I think in, li- in addition to the teams that you mentioned, big winners on the trade deadline. AJ, before we move on, we have to give a nod to a second sponsor, which we recently introduced at Pristine Auction. Here are some details. It's pristineauction.com. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction, A-U-C tion.com this is a website where they they put out a lot of daily lots and daily lots that don't cost you an arm and a leg there's tons of stuff for the man cave always something perfect for a fan of any team and if you worry about authenticity worry no more they guarantee authenticity and all their items come with an authentication form from only their most trusted sources. In terms of affordability, most people don't think they can afford stuff once it gets into auction mode, but I can tell you firsthand that there are some things there that uh, maybe aren't, uh, they don't mean as much to other people as they do to me because I'm right in the middle of a lot of the auctions here and and I think I'm going to boost my man cave in a big hurry thanks to the friends at at Pristine Auction. it's it's interesting to note that I've saw, I've seen stuff from all all eras and all sports dating back over the last 30 years that really mean something to me. So there's lots of value. There's current stuff. There's old stuff, but big names all over the place. And uh, I mean, I saw a picture of Pele and Muhammad Ali. Not too often that these guys would get together at the same time, but to have them in a photo is kind of a neat keepsake for people who are fans of the greatest names, uh, the Mount Rushmore of of sports names. That's a great example there. It's quick and free to register. Free to bid you only pay when you win too and uh, i encourage you also there's a drop down in terms of how it says on the site how did you hear about us Uh, please go down there and select rotowire because you listen to our show it really helps everybody and i know uh, that our listeners have been really good to us just as we try to be to them Let's get back into it, AJ, as we give uh, a turn to uh, our FanDuel friends and uh, the Tuesday night slate of games using FanDuel prices for tonight's slate. We have nine games on tap. Let's go through them and uh, then go to our lineups. First, we have the Devils at the Blue Jackets. That's a 7 o'clock tilt. There's no line on that game yet. The Flyers are a 110 favorite with a five and a half over under that line swung from the other side it was the sabers that were favored yesterday but the flyers i guess get the nod tonight so the money's going in their in their direction the red wings visit the maple leafs the leafs are a heavy favorite minus 180 and over under is five and a half they've handled the red wings pretty easily this year and i know that i wanted to get that dig in against some of our friends at the home office <laughs> at 7:30 tonight that game is on the Rangers are on the second of back-to-back through Florida as they visit the Panthers, who are a 
125 favorite. The over-under set at 5, and it's a 7.30 tilt. The St. Louis Blues visit the Minnesota Wild. That's a great-looking game where the Wild are a minus 170 favorite, and the over-under is set at 5.5. AJ, what about the rest of the games on the board? Yeah, so starting at 9 o'clock, the Hurricanes uh, travel to Colorado, and for once, uh, it looks like Carolina is actually going to be favored. Uh, they're minus 165, so pretty significantly favored as well. Uh, the Islanders are are up in Edmonton to play the Oilers, who uh, the Oilers are favorited, minus 160, a five and a half over under. And then our 10 o'clock games are Montreal, who are minus 160 uh, going against the Canucks. There's a five over under on that one. And then finally, Predators at uh, Ducks. Anaheim minus 120 with a five and a half over under. All right, AJ, it's time for us to put our our minds on the setting the lineups for tonight's games. I am going to take a page from your book and go a little homer in my picks. I'll preface that with some of my choices, but I'll make a good case for them just like you have always done in the past. What do you got for us at center ice? Well, our listeners will be happy to hear the Penguins don't play tonight, so (laughs) I won't have them in my lineup. Um, so I'm going to start off with Connor McDavid, though. I'm going to take the big fish uh, for 8,800. Uh, Edmonton are playing the Islanders. There's definitely uh, significant questions about the Islanders' goaltending, their defense. And so I like uh, you know everything that McDavid has to offer. And then my other center is going to be Eric Stahl. Minnesota also heavily favored. Their offense still uh, clicking on all cylinders. And he's, for whatever reason, still 5,400. Uh, practically a, a steal at, the, at that price range to get a top line center. Uh, Paul, what did you do down the middle of your lineup? Well, I went with Austin Matthews, and I have not picked him despite several opportunities this year, but tonight I feel compelled to do so just based on what I've seen when these teams get together. The Detroit team just cannot keep pace with the Leafs. The Leafs have beaten them every time out this year, and uh, Matthews has been front and center, scoring at least three goals, I think, in total on the season series. So for $7,400, I love his chances of boosting that. Then I'll also pair him with Ryan O'Reilly of the Buffalo Sabres, who has been very productive in recent weeks, and yet he's still only priced at 6400 To your point, this is a top-line center who is being priced very favorably, and I like the matchup against the Flyers with a bit of the suspect goaltending and, and defense there. The Buffalo Sabres, I think, uh, rolling a little bit offensively of late, too, and Riley, O'Reilly's been in the center of that. So like that price tag and that situation. So I'm pretty happy about my pivots. Uh, you got to give me four wingers that you like, A.J., well, I'm going to start off with Philip Forsberg of Nashville for 7,600. He was just, he's just been too good to pass up. I mean, he had the one game at Montreal where he didn't score a point, but he got an assist in his last game against Chicago. And prior to that, had just been racking up points left and right. So I think he's definitely worth the price tag of, uh, you know, the price of admission against the Ducks tonight. I also like Jonathan Huberto for Florida. Uh, the Rangers are coming off that back-to-back. Lundqvist actually hasn't been as dominant as we're used to seeing there. Of course, I'll say that, and he'll have one of his best games of the season tonight. But uh, Huberto, I think, is a great option at 6,500. And then I'm actually also going to use some Leafs tonight, and I'm finding some significant value here on uh, on the two wingers of their top line. Zach Hyman is 3,800. Uh, I like the matchup. And then Willie Nylander is 5,700. So those two guys projected to be on the top line uh, and playing, you know, significant roles and coming in at, at complete steals 
I had to take them when I saw them there, Paul. You know a good deal when you see one, AJ. I know that. <laughs> uh, let's go with my wingers then. I've got Evander Kane at $6,100. This guy has turned his uh, career around this year, I'll say. There was a lot of... Uh, concern about his off-ice antics over the last couple of years but he's been a pretty good soldier all season long and that started to translate into a very good all-around game that we've seen out of him in in the last couple of months I'll say and uh, still only priced at $6,100 he gets top six minutes he'll either play with O'Reilly and or Eichel and so that's a great fit for him against that Philadelphia team I'm picking on the Flyers a little bit with the couple of players I've mentioned but uh, it's with good reason there Nino Niederreiter uh, and Jason Pommelville are my next two guys I'll partner them up both of them, uh, $5,400 and $5,500 respectively. Uh, I think they're, they're great offensive pieces. They're big size there. They both play special teams, and I think this is really good value given the matchup that they face tonight. And then Jordan Eberle for $5,600 playing on the wing with that Connor McDavid kid. Uh, that just makes him uh, a valuable piece too. And even if he sh- drops down to a second-line role and is off that unit, he'll also factor into the special teams. And I guess I'm saying that Edmonton has a chance to run up a big score tonight against the Islanders who are visiting them. And the Islanders, for them, their part, are not one of the best defensive teams in the NHL by a long shot. So this is a team that, that McDavid and company could feast on and Everly part of that mix, in my opinion. you got to give me two defensemen, AJ. Yeah, I'll start off with uh, Alex Petrangelo for 5,300. He's got three points in his last four games. Uh, even when he's not scoring... He is adding uh, shots and blocks, so he's definitely uh, a very consistent player. I uh, plan on using this lineup for a 50-50, so I like to use a a consistent guy like Petrangelo there. And then going back to the well on the Leafs, I I didn't intend to to be the homer for you tonight, (laughs) Um, but I really like what uh, uh, Nikita Zaitsev has to offer. He's only uh, 4,100, so he's coming in at, at really a steal. He's got two points in his last two games. Again, another player adding some blocks and shots to really boost that uh, that fantasy value. Uh, so I like him as well. What did uh, your blue line shake out like? Uh, I'll also add that my two defensemen are, are both young offensive-minded guys, and Clefbaum's uh, really s- settled in as the go-to offensive piece from the blue line for Edmonton, priced in at $4,800. I continue to go young with Wierenski in uh, Columbus at $5,100. So I'll, I'll take those two guys and say, you know what, let's take our chances with two young guns who can score and uh, see that I did it with less than $10,000. So I like my chances to get some good production for that low price. And in the Nets, what do you got for me? Well, when you spend 8800 on Connor McDavid and 7600 on Philip Forsberg, you got to find some value uh, somewhere in your lineup. And for me, it's going to be Cam Ward tonight for just 7800 So that's going to be one of the bottom uh, options for goal. His numbers haven't been great, but he's up against Colorado. And so I look forward to, to seeing those 12 points on the board for the win, plus whatever else he can get me in terms of uh, saves. Uh, and goals against so uh yeah definitely a great value there paul what did you do in the nets well i i had to try and make it close the gap on the number of leaf players that you picked so i picked freddie anderson in goal for eighty five hundred dollars i'm looking for the guaranteed win tonight and when i look at the matchups i see that i and i really feel this that the leafs have a big edge on detroit tonight the line says so and certainly the history between the two teams this year certainly says so the leafs really 
uh, went for a nice skate the last time they were in Detroit and shut them out for nothing. I'm kind of looking for a repeat, repeat performance there on home ice tonight. Uh, at Rotowire headquarters, uh, there's going to be some guys wringing their hands about that that prediction. But we also have one of the fantasy industry's greatest inventions called the Rotowire Optimizer Tool. AJ, can you tell our listeners a bit about it and run through tonight's optimizer picks? Yeah, the lineup optimizer, a really great tool to help you build out your lineup. You know, one uh, way our listeners can probably utilize it is uh, to kind of, if you pick two or three guys that you like from me, two or three guys you like from Paul, and then uh, you can lock them into the optimizer and help it. It can help you build out the rest of your lineup. So it's it's really helpful in that sense. Uh, If you run it just straight tonight, no uh, no filters, no changes to the projection system. Just go on there and click show me the optimal lineup. It sorts out like this. It's got Connor McDavid at 8,800 and then Victor Rask for Carolina uh, at 4,300. The, the optimizer is definitely high on the Hurricanes tonight, uh, taking advantage of that matchup against Colorado. For wingers, it starts off with Max Pacioretty. Montreal's at Vancouver. He's 7,700, so that's a big price tag for him, but he's on that top line. He's top power play, and Vancouver are definitely a leaky goal team. Uh, two more Hurricanes here in Jeff Skinner and Sebastian Iho. Skinner 6,300, Iho 5,100. Both are uh, also power play uh, projected as well. It goes on the opposite end from Paul and I in the Detroit-Toronto matchup and picks up Dylan Larkin as the final winger there for 4,100. He's uh, He hasn't been quite as electric as he was last season, um, but certainly capable of scoring as well. Defensively, uh, this is a name that seems to come up every week in, in either our podcast or the optimizer, Rasmus Ristolainen for Buffalo. Top line, top power play, and still comes in at 5,400. So he definitely is a value play there. And then the last hurricane uh, for the optimizer is Justin Falk. Again, top line, top power play. The optimizer is going to keep going there. He's 4,500. Uh, in goal, the optimizer uh, likes Henrik Lundqvist tonight, despite the back-to-back. He's 8,700, so spending a little bit more uh, than either of us did in goal. Uh, so that's how the, the lineup optimizer uh, shaked out. All right, and we remind you to join us Thursday when we take a, a fuller look at lineup options in the, DF, the DFS NHL podcast that we put out. Uh, AJ, you'll miss that one. We'll cover that at the end of the show. We'll find a reasonable substitute, probably not as good as you, though. Uh, we cover <laughs> NBA DFS on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday of each week as well. So make sure you tune in the rest of the week on the DFS side of the platform and uh, have a listen to our podcast on a daily basis. Uh, We also want to give thanks to our sponsors at FanDuel with a reminder that baseball is just around the corner, folks. Don't get stranded on first base without a Roto-Wire subscription, and don't miss out on this great offer. Make your first deposit on FanDuel today, and you'll get a free six-month Roto-Wire subscription. Go to FanDuel.com slash Roto-Wire to claim it. You must be a new FanDuel user in order to be eligible. Users may only establish one account on FanDuel. That's FanDuel.com slash Roto-Wire. All right, AJ, it's time for the signature parts of the program as far as I'm concerned. The stud of the week, we have to give a nod to a guy who's really performed above and beyond. And I'm going to highlight Nikita Kucherov, Tampa's high-scoring winger who's white hot right now with seven goals and seven assists in his last six games. And look, I know I rant about the shootouts more than anybody out there, but this guy scored a beauty the other night. One of the best goals you'll see all season long, a real heady play. And I don't know how you saw it, AJ, but I have since found out after reporting on this and filling it into our program, I read where he went to his goalie and said, this is what I'm going to do. And he executed this play where he pushed the puck ahead way in advance of, of getting near the goal, but didn't put, 
touch it at all as he got close to the net, just faked it with his stick around it and, and made some moves with his skates to uh, distract the goalie. But he didn't touch the puck from about the slot in, and it just slid into the net. Beautiful goal and, and a really heady play. Kind of a cheeky move and one you don't want to try every time out, but uh, it worked. Yeah, I'm really torn here, Paul, whether or not I believe that move was intentional <laughs> or if he was just making the best of it as the puck got away from him. Um, but if it was really intentional, it's the type of, of tricky play you uh, more expect to see in like the AHL or the, the all-star game rather than, uh, than in, a, in a game. Uh, but, you know, if the Lightning are going to push for the postseason, they're going to need Kucherov to continue to stay hot. Uh, a solid pick for the stud of the week. They're, they're close. They're right in the hunt for a wild card spot. Uh, and so I, th- I think as long as he keeps tearing it up, they'll, they'll be right there. All right. And the rant of the week, it's centered around the fact that the GMs are meeting to look at some rule changes. And we want to remind them about some of our rule changes. They're going to look at the offsides and make sure that they change that kind of to an NFL thing where it's looking at the plane of the blue line rather than just on the blue line per se. And the concussion protocol, this is one that I applaud. They really got to get this right and look after the players. So I'm glad that those two things are on the ice agenda. I think that's nice. But fixing the game, folks, scoring issues that we've talked about, the stick quality that we've talked about, needless scrums around the net without any penalty, and goalie abuse, this is all stuff that needs to be addressed. And listeners, we need your help. We need to tweet these points out and ask you to forward them to your own teams and, and management groups. Let's fix up our game. There's, there's so many things that I'd like to see adjusted. We've touched on them in recent weeks. You know the drill. It's the three-point game. It's the quality of the sticks. It's the shootouts. There's so many issues to make this game better than it already is. Yeah, Paul, I actually don't like the proposed offside changes. I mean, proponents of it have claimed it will be easier for the refs to determine onside by extending the blue line up like the NFL goal line. Uh, But I actually think it's a little more straightforward to say your skate has to be touching the blue line. I mean, I don't know how um, that's hard to review. It it makes a lot of sense. It should be pretty straightforward, in my opinion. I do think of, of all the ideas we have suggested in our podcast, the biggest one has to be the number of points for a win. We need to get that three point for a regulation win system as soon as possible. Uh, That is probably the priority or should be the priority rather for these GM meetings. Get rid of the shootout too. Come on. (laughs) let's call it 1a and win 1b we used that reference before all right folks that wraps it up for this week's podcast with statsman and aj remember to send your comments or questions on twitter follow me paul bruno at statsman 22 and you can follow aj at aj shows 24 we ask you also to look out for podcast hockey pod every week every tuesday so we get all the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contests so long everybody knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how.